From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. The assaults on your liberty, on your freedom, have never been this obvious, this atrocious, this outrageous. Outrageous what is happening in this country. This is the problem when we let it happen a year and three months ago. This is why it was crucially important we never give up our freedom and our liberty. You don't get it back. And if you are going to get it back, you have to get it back with an army. I'd like to think of us as an army. I'd like to think of the people that support freedom and liberty in the Constitution. I'd like to think of us as that one-third of Americans that originally fought for America. We're going to have to do it again. The attack is atrocious. It's an onslaught that is both from Mount High to your local districts. Every aspect of your freedom and liberty is under assault. I think it's important we all stick together. That's why when my friend, former host of this show... Now TV legend Steve Cortez of Cortez and Pellegrino called me and said, look, I want to come on. I want to talk about the masks. I want to talk about Auntie Mary Fauci, which I believe Fauci is Italian for BS, bull dung. That's what Fauci represents every time he opens his mouth. That's why I call it the Fauci flu. After all, you paid for it. You own it. Steve Cortez, how are you, my friend? Hey, Sean, I am great. Thank you for having me back on the show. Uh, and I, I am a TV legend, at least in my own mind. You're a TV legend, baby. Come on. You've got clothes that will make Robin Leach say, wow, that's some nice stuff. <laughs> so you have to be on TV so. for quite a while. How's the hanky going? Do they stick with the hanky or do they make you scratch it? What happened? No, they come on. I, you know, look, I, I have artistic control over, uh, over elements like that. But, uh, no, listen, I was fired up last night. I'm fired up again today. And we're going to be talking about it on my show tonight, which is after your show. I'm not stepping on you at all. No. Uh, oh, 8 o'clock Chicago time that I'm on Newsmax. Um, one of the guests we're going to have on today is Dr. Bhattacharya, Jay Bhattacharya, who is a physician from Stanford University. He has, get this, Sean, he has a Stanford MD and a Stanford PhD. Uh, this is one smart man, and thankfully he's one of the few brave doctors who's out there uh, who is speaking very forcefully about how ridiculous the lockdowns, the lockdown restrictions are. They, they always were, but particularly now, particularly in an age where a vaccine is available to those who want it, and I know lots of people don't want it for good reasons. Totally respect that, too. Um, but he particularly is horrified at this idea that we are going to be masking children in the United States again uh, this coming school year. He wrote a Wall Street Journal editorial where he said the, the benefits of masking children, he said, are small to none. And I'm quoting him. He said the costs are far higher, uh, the physical costs, the mental costs. Uh, so the idea that the American Academy of Pediatrics just came out this week and said they want all kids age three and up to be masked. Fauci gave his stamp of approval to that ridiculous and cruel. I, I think it's child abuse, Sean. I, I don't think it's, uh, it's an exaggeration to say masking a three-year-old for a disease that is not a risk to that three-year-old, that is child abuse. And that's what Fauci and the American Academy of Pediatrics and a lot of school districts in America are going to force upon children starting in just a couple weeks. But we have to stop having the argument on the grounds of the fraud and the liar and the con man, because to me what this is meant to do is to teach that child from a very young age, that he is a slave to government will. I'm dead serious sure. about this. The, stata, sure. the, the, the data, the statistics are irrefutable. The kids right. are not a risk to it. It's an infinitesimal number. It's even smaller than the, than the 0.5% of adults that die from the Fauci flu. But among children, it's infinitesimal. It's not about the kids. But what it does do is it teaches them from the age of three that their freedoms are at the will of government. And at the will of strangers and teachers and people of authority, it teaches that kid how to forever have that mindset of a slave. And this is why it is, in in my opinion, it is our job as parents and our job as Americans to stand up for the freedoms and liberties versus the the phony, altruistic utopia that these frauds continue to promise and never deliver. And I want to know, do you think we have a chance? No, I do. And Sean, here's the thing. I think that they have finally the lockdown lunatics 
I think they finally pushed it too far because a lot of parents, they just dealt with it last school year. Okay. If they're not particularly political people, maybe they're not particularly conservative, don't think a lot of principles of liberty. They just dealt with it. They didn't like it, but they dealt with it last year. Okay. Having to put their kids in masks, having them, uh, you know, remote learn, all of that. I think they have had it up to here for this year. And I think particularly mothers, we had a couple of them on my show last night. Uh, you know, I'm referring to these moms as mama bears, okay? They want to protect their cubs. And a lot of mothers out there, for instance, the, the mythical suburban educated woman, right, who hates the America First agenda, who hates, you know, the, the name Donald Trump, she is really angry right now at the prospect of her kid having to go to school again in a mask. And she's also very upset at the prospect of being, uh, of being compelled to take the vaccine for kids who are, say, 12 to 16 who are now eligible for the vaccine. A lot of high schools in the Chicago area are starting to say you cannot come to school unless you have taken this experimental treatment. And let's remind everybody, this is under emergency authorization only. And I'm not anti-vax, okay? I think people who are very vulnerable should take this vaccine. But the idea that you are compelling it upon 12-year-olds, 13, 14-year-olds, as a precondition to then attend school, I think that's outright evil, and I think you're exactly right, Sean. It's, this is, we're way beyond worrying about health. This is about control. These, these are mechanisms to, to show we can control you, we are controlling you, and by the way, we're only going to tighten that vice uh, because the more you allow, the more you show us that you're willing to accept it, the more government um, and big pharma and Fauci and you, know, you name it, the more they're going to tighten that grip upon us, which is why we've got to fight it. But I think they've gone too far, I think. For this school year, I think in these next few weeks, I wrote an op-ed about this that I posted at Newsmax.com. I think the vaccine and mask wars, schools versus parents, are going to really blow up in the next few weeks as school gets started. This is why I love having you on. See, this, I mean, this is why it was easier for Misty to get you guests than it is me, because you have this ability. <laughs> you really do. I mean, this is serious. You have this ability. You want to make up with the moms that hated Trump and voted for diapers Biden. Right. You want to make up with them. I want to tell them, now wear it, stupid. Right. This is what I told you would happen, dimwit. Between it eating it away at your husband's paycheck and your wealth and you paying more for gas and everything else, you're the one who voted to have these fascist frauds. Tell your kid how to be a slave. So you want to make right. up with them. I want to make I want to rub their face in it. But then again, here's why my dog never peed in the house twice. I'm a face rubber. I have to tell you that. But this is why you're the guy that the ladies like. And I love that about you. You're the no, genteel the world, version of me. The world needs both of us, right? Yeah. I'm probably the guy that they more want to bring home to dad, but then they're going to fool around with you on the side. That's the reality. See, you love that. See, that's how you see. I described uh, our, us to the management here as just that. And Steve loved that. And he's exactly <laughs> right. But every once in a while, you need the truth. So I'm not willing to forgive the suburban mothers that voted for Sean Caston and voted for Joe Biden and voted, in fact, for American Marxism and this fascistic government. I know, but Sean, look, politics, okay, and this is where maybe, you know, too, you and I are different because I work in the world of campaigns frequently, right? You know, yeah, I could you never are, do that. Uh, you're more in the world of philosophy, and I mean that in the best sense. I mean, you really are, right? Mm-hmm. In the world of ideas. Uh, I, I love the world of ideas, but I also operate in the world of campaigns, and campaigns are about persuading people, right? And it's not about judging people. It's about saying, I want you to join. Here's why, right? It's about winning people over, and I think a lot of suburban women who, uh, who again, revolt Donald Trump, uh, who don't at all embrace America first principles. I think they are going to realize that we have their back in this fight, right? Uh, that we are the ones fighting for science and reason. Uh, we're the ones fighting for their kids. We're fighting against incredibly powerful interests, the teachers union, big pharma, uh, the Democratic Party. I mean, don't over, by the way, I, I think people should not underestimate how powerful these interests are. I mean, do you know how much sway big pharma and the teachers unions have yeah. in Washington, D.C.? And when they get together on an issue, which is, Every 12-year-old in America has to take an experimental vaccine that, oh, by the way, is pretty good news for Moderna and Pfizer you know, and so forth. When they get together on an issue, they're pretty tough to stop. But I think we can stop them if we're, if we're vocal enough, uh, if we think enough on this issue, and if we enlist some great experts you know, like Dr. Bhattacharya. Scott Atlas is another Stanford doctor who's willing to be brave. There are some out there who are willing to be brave, put their reputation on the line of professional credentials and say, uh, this is madness. You know, stop. Children should live 100% normalized. There, there should be zero mitigation efforts for children. This virus is not a risk to them. People for whom it is a risk, older, overweight, uh, unhealthy folks. Yes, they should. They Democrats. should be the ones concerned about what they do. Do they take the Do they take the vaccine? Do they seal themselves off from people? Do they wear masks? That is on them. 
It is not on the children. So I want to share a guest with you that I'm trying to get in heaven. I'm going to be quite frank with you, but I love this guy. His name is uh, uh, Robert. What is this? What is it, Misty? Remember I had you get the guy? Robert what? Malone. Robert Malone was one of the creators of the vaccine. He's one of the original scientists that worked on the vaccine. Very prominent in that world and very interactive with the government for the last 35 years. However, he's an actual scientist. Although he worked with the government, he is not a pseudo-scientific political whore who for the right amount of money will tell the government what it wants to hear. He sees some troubling things with the vaccine. He's very aware of uh, of people having adverse reactions, of which that information is being silenced and stifled by both the media and our government. Even so, so much so as the um, the senator from Wisconsin who had people come on for an hour and a half and testify to the adverse effects they've had of the vaccine never gets picked up. This is a sitting senator. And nobody yep. wants to talk about it. Why is it that you Jen think Psaki a- told us from the podium? She told us from the podium. We are colluding, real collusion. Okay, not you know phantom Russian collusion. We are colluding with big tech. We are telling them which posts are quote problematic. That's the word she used. And we're having problematic information removed regarding vaccine skepticism and vaccine hesitancy. And here's the thing: I'm not even anti-vax, but these people should be heard, of course, and their arguments should be heard. And I, I personally, now look. Everybody should make their own choice, their own informed choice. Okay, I personally think healthy people, uh, because there's so little risk of COVID, I, I don't want the vaccine. Just not interested. Certainly not interested in it for my kids. Right? Absolutely not for my elderly right. mother. Yes, got it. I advise you take it. Okay, you know, different different uh, risk profile, right? For for everyone, and everyone should make their own smart choice. I think it should be available to all, mandated for none. But not only are we mandating it for people now as a term of employment, um, as a term of potentially getting on a plane at some point, but now for kids, for children to attend school or to attend school without a mask. That's the other thing, Sean. This idea that we're going to have two tracks of kids, right, that we're going to have sort of these, you wear the scarlet mask, but this kid, his mom doesn't mind the vaccine, so he doesn't, and we're going to separate you that way. I mean, that's the height of cruelty to do that to children, to otherize them. It's outrageous. Sort of borrow a term from the left. It's insane. So you've got you've got. You've got senators like Ron Johnson. You've got senators like Rand Paul. You've got so many Republicans. You've got the people. You have the people. Is there a push? Now, you work in this world of the Republican Party. Is there a push to help us fight off this government? Are the Republicans going to stand up? Are the lawyers going to come to our defense? Or are we? is it just going to be a grassroots thing? I think, unfortunately, the latter. It's, it's grassroots. You know, the Republican Party, per se, we still can't count on, unfortunately. Institutionally, it is still too much of a legacy Republican Party, which, let's face it, is basically a uniparty in Washington, D.C., right? They, they disagree at the margins with the Democrats, right? Not on fundamental issues. Now, the America First movement, right, which has largely taken over the Republican Party, but not at the institutional level. You know what I mean, Sean? Yeah. It has at the voter level. But the America First movement, yes, is 100 percent behind um, patriots out there, moms who may not agree with us on policy, okay, but people who are saying this is madness and stop punishing my children. Again, children should have had a normal life last school year, okay? We mm-hmm. already knew enough that they should have had a normal life last year. No, nobody should have played football in a freaking mask, okay, which my son had to do in Chicago. Nobody should have had their football season canceled last fall, which everybody did in the state of Illinois. Uh, it was insane, okay? But we, it wasn't acceptable then. We know so much more now. And now, again, people who are vulnerable, people who understandably worry, right, that, hey, COVID can make me really sick or can kill me, okay, because I'm 80 or I'm more morbidly overbeast or I have terrible, you know, whatever, hypertension, whatever the heck it is. Understand, okay, those people now have an option of taking the vaccine. And again, I'm not pushing the vaccine, but they have an option of taking it, and they have an option of protecting themselves. The, the onus is on them. It is not on the children and it's cruel to place it on children i love it thank you so much for coming out now i will tell you one thing before i let you go Ten forty-five at night kids are out of the house wife's walking around in a nighty. i'm about to put the moves on steve cortez texts me i say oh steve cortez <laughs> then my wife goes oh did he say to say hi to me now she's talking steve cortez we went from in the mood to i got steve cortez <laughs> could you maybe text a little earlier than ten forty-five? for god's sakes what do you say I'm, I'm in your head, and I'm in your boudoir. Yeah, wow. last thing I want to hear when I'm in the mood is Steve Cortez's name. Thank you very much for coming on my show. I do want to hear it on my show. Thank you. We'll be back with your calls and comments after this. 312-642-5600. The scientific pushback 
to the masks was early. It was very direct, and it was from thousands of scientists that said, very frankly, the actual virus was 3,000 times smaller than the mask was designed to stop. The mask was never, ever going to stop it. And the fact of the matter is that we have the exact same numbers of countries and areas that did not impose the mask, in some cases worse. But that's irrelevant. It was never about masks. It was always about subservience and control. And I don't give a rip who tells you different. The idea in this country... Born of free people that were so proud and so arrogant to be Americans that they submitted because of fear and cowardice to a virus that if you were designing it to kill people had abysmal results in mortality rates. They were sickening. If you design this to kill a society, you failed. You got point zero five. And it's unfortunate that those people died, but everybody dies. Nobody gets out alive. We're all some disease from something from dying. That's just the fact. The idea that we have bended knee in this country just once was sickening. Twice is unbelievable. We have seen Los Angeles County and other communities now begin to re-embrace the idea of mask mandates indoors for vaccinated and unvaccinated people. Is this going in a direction you think the CDC is going to have to also embrace that strategy? Well, Lester, I think what L.A. County is doing is something you're going to start seeing in other parts of the country. If cases rise in localities, continue to rise, and if the unvaccinated population remains uh, low. And I think it's very appropriate for... Blah, blah. Shut your dumb derriere up. This is about the idea that you will now admit to the world you live for someone else. Even the argument of masking. They tell you right out it's not going to help you. But it may prevent you from giving it to someone else. So what? I'm not mortgaged to some stranger. I'm not mortgaged to them. I don't live for them. I live for me. This is the ultimate philosophy of the Enlightenment. Are you mortgaged to someone else? Should you subjugate yourself to someone else's weakness? And my answer is no. I will die on my feet versus live on my knees. That's not just something that was in a great play. That is a a philosophy of life. Now we close our business. We lock ourselves in our house. We teach our kids to be slaves for the benefit of them. No, for the benefit of the 600 pound socialist. Sorry doesn't work that way but don't worry i've got all the clips of all the murderers and carjackers that are all going to get 360 dollars a month for their kids and by the way they're in the stimulus package and their health care is going to be real cheap isn't this utopia of socialism just great i'm sick and tired of it and i will not mask my kids i'll tell you what this is the beauty of having older kids but they were kids they were once young all right let's go one call and break kyle and woodridge Hey, as always, keep up the great work. I just want to touch base real quick for you. Um, other than your average uh, union worker with their quadruple X slap and tickle drive time T-shirt requirement, um, when it comes to the actual children, 18 and under, I was just looking at this buried in the CDC uh, stuff today, 18 and under, there's 75 million in the country, a little over 300 have died from COVID. But they're going to try to justify that uh, to shut it all down, as always. But you and, know and what? You know the, the problem the day, I have, Kyle. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even want to trust any statistics they give me. I really don't. I mean, these are their statistics, and they're and they're defeating their own argument. But out of those three hundred, the problem with this argument is: were there any other existing issues with these people and these children? And the answer is always yes, because we're human. We all have something. We're all we're all going to die of something, whether the cancer hits us in our, in our tragedy years or whether it hits us when we're older. We're going to die. At no point do we make other people sacrifice themselves for us. And I mean that as somebody older. I don't want to see an 18-year-old do, put something in his body he wouldn't because it benefits me. I don't know what kind of selfish son of a dog would, except a Democrat. They would. 312-642-5600. <laughs> I used to love this song, kid. Really good song. So listen, I get a lot of text messages about Cigar Night. I want to get this over with. Let's just get it out. There's exactly 12 tickets left. That's it. There's 12 tickets. VIP is already gone. All right? Dennis Prager, me, Proft 
in his Pee Wee Herman costume. But but I will say this. Proft wears his Pee Wee Herman costume a lot better than Lori Lightfoot. He's tall enough to pull it off, and uh, he is a fella. So listen, if you want to join us with your cigar purchase, you are going to get one cigar. Now, I know Sam from the humidor. He's a good guy. It's going to be a very good cigar. You're also going to get appetizers for you municipal workers. You're, you know, you, we know you like to snack all the time. You purchase your ticket today. You go to 560 AM. I'm sorry, 560theanswer.com slash cigar. 560theanswer.com slash cigar. This is sponsored in part by SAE Group, which I understand modifies cars. So I'm looking forward to talking to those guys because you're going to need a fast car that doesn't have their computer chip when they shut you off, to get you the hell out of Illinois. And I don't know where you'd go. I mean, I would like you to come to Florida. I think it's, you're a lot more free there. And here's another thing. There's T-shirts selling right now on Ron DeSantis's website, which I have ordered one. I may have gotten it, but I'm not at my place in Florida. It says, do not Fauci my Florida. I love that T-shirt. I absolutely love it. Because one thing we know about Fauci, he's a fraud day to day frauds. Dr. Fauci, knowing that it is a crime to lie to Congress, do you wish to retract your statement of May 11th where you claimed that the NIH never funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan? Microphone. Your microphone. Senator I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was? Let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans. Right. You're saying that's not gain of function. Yeah, that is correct. And and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially, you do not know what you are talking about. Let's okay, you get NIH, one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of function. This is your definition. Now, unlike Fauci. Rand Paul was actually a doctor, one who actually saw sick people. Fauci never did. Fauci invested in viruses, and we know he did. We have the clips of him doing it. So Fauci is a liar. As I was listening to the news in between the segments, they have Lori Lightfoot talk about the Delta variant. And if we're all not vaccinated, they're pushing the vaccine because they want you to stop talking about everybody, what everybody was talking about before. The Delta variant. And that was the fact that we caught them creating this virus. That's what gain of function is. They paid for it and they worked with it to adapt and overcome. That's why there's, it makes no sense to get, the, to, to, get, to get the vaccine, in my opinion, because they're telling you it doesn't work. They're telling you it doesn't work. If you've been masked, if you had the vaccine, double mask in the house like some moron. Double mask in your own house. They, they engineered it. To adapt and overcome. Thank God it was made in China because that doesn't work like everything else that's made in China. That's the only real benefit to this thing. It's ridiculous. We caught him red-handed. We're saying they are gain-of-function viruses because they were They're animal not. viruses that became more transmissible in human, and you funded it. And you admit the truth. And you implying... Senator Paul, your time has expired, and I will allow witnesses who come before this committee to respond. Listen to the parliamentary procedures, how they shut down information. They shut down anything that voices against the government tagline. You are living through the collapse of free speech in America. And, and you are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. Have and if anybody is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. Now tell me that story when the frog kissed the cricket and it hopped on over the ocean and got everybody sick. Tell me that BS story of sushi in a wet market, you lying fraud. Anyway, so let me just go on about NIH lifts funding. This is what he said to a private group, by the way. This is before the testimony and before the got caught with his hand in the create the virus jar was on gain of function research. So let me explain this a little, because whenever this comes out, there's always the pushing back and forth from the press. So like NIH now is going to do dangerous research. No, as a matter of fact, it's exactly the opposite. So a framework has been now established to guide funding decisions on proposed research that might be anticipated to create, transfer, or use enhanced potential pandemic pathogens. The program, everybody has to have a neat little name to it. This is called 
P3CO. So if you hear about P3CO, it's potential pandemic preparedness, care, and oversight. Now, why is this different from everything else we've been doing? It's different because remember the trouble we used to get in when someone would do an experiment, they would submit it to a journal, and just as it's getting ready to go out, everybody would start scrambling around, should we be publishing, should it not? So we decided to go upstream from that and talk about decisions that are made by government funded. Remember, we have no control over things that are not funded by the government. But in government-funded activities, to guide the funding decision before you actually do the experiment. I don't think this is going to be foolproof. Things are going to slip through. But I think this is a much better approach than we've had before. Guess what slipped through, stupid? Guess what slipped through? See, they've got all the justification of why to do this. Of course, they're trying to help. But how did it? Re- what was the actual result in what you re- in what you did? What was the actual result? Well, we're about to double mask ourselves again and all get shut down again as the result of what you did. You paid for it. You created it. It got out. Sorry, that's just what happened. Now, why don't you stop covering it up and really try to fix it? Because nobody's buying this BS. All right, Mary in Evanston. Hi, Mary. Yes. Yes. Hi. Um, I'm actually originally. From Bridgeport, so don't hold Evanston against me. No, I love the Bridgeport girls. I always did. I had a weakness for them. They were very attractive. They could argue, and if your car broke down, they could change a tire. Go ahead. <laughs> well, my family's still there, and they're right. Canaryville. Here's the here's the thing. I'm 82 years old. Oh, you sound and wonderful. I'm, uh, there's so many reasons why I won't get the vaccine. I've researched a lot, gone online. My husband died in 1988 from the AZT. So we don't have to talk about that, you know. Uh Uh, I have allergies, and I have mitral valve regurgitation, and I don't even want to ask the doctor if that is a condition that, you know, excludes me. I'm just kind of being my own doctor and waiting for Novavax because I wait and see once they do. uh, It's approved. I don't know what's going on with Novavax. But what I know about it, it's totally different from the three that are out there. And, you know, Mary, here's here's another thing I look at it. You're 82 years old. Yes. You get to make your own decision in my world in America. You're supposed to be able to get to make that decision. You're not supposed to be able to be intimidated or coerced into getting that va- vaccine. If you don't like it, you have lived in a life of 82 years of which you've earned the right, in my opinion, to have your own opinion. Right. See, isn't well, this my, outrageous? My had COVID that two, two months ago, and he's 83, and it wasn't really bad. But now he's a long hauler, and he doesn't even know he's a long hauler. I know all the symptoms. Mm-hmm. He went to Northwestern, and they just said he's tired, there's nothing we could do, blah, blah. Um, he's a long hauler. Tell him he's a long hauler so he knows. Well, Mary, I want to thank you. I want to wish you the best of luck. And I want you to know this. My mother and father-in-law, who I love dearly, both had it. My father-in-law got the got the uh, uh, the vaccine. After he had it, he got it again. They don't want to talk about those kind of people. But I wish you the best of luck, Mary. And, and, and above all, don't let anybody tell you you're not entitled to make up your own mind. Thank you most of all for listening. We'll be back. I promise I'll take the rest of you. 312-642-5600. I just had a line open up with Mary. We'll be back after this. George Michael. Now, is this Wham? Yeah, this is one. He came out. Man, the chicks dug him, boy. All over him. He had no use for him. That's when it's good to hang around with a guy like me. Just bounce off him. That was my play. All right, listen, we got a lot of people on the line, and I got this clip from Robert Maloney. But um, let's go to the people. After all, this is a show for the people. Not like the communist way with the hammer and sickle people, but the real people, the capitalists, the Americans. Teresa on the north side. Hi, Sean. Um, You know, I agree that masking children is child abuse. There's no doubt about it in my mind. But what can these parents do to stop this insanity without the children going back to the remote learning? To me, this is the straw that broke the back, because I think if you could look at child abuse as the product you see on the evening news, the fact that we've been turning our kids over to teachers that have been employed by the CPS and teachers like that, teachers that haven't been indoctrinating your kids, is child abuse. I always said, 
said from the from the onset, if this is going to happen and they're going to send your kids home, it is a blessing in disguise. I think you should keep your kids home. You want to know what I think? I, I, it's very controversial. I know that teachers or people are trying to get on the school board and overturn. I am telling you that the system has been bastardized and corrupted to its root, to its core. The communist teacher unions of all across the country have now taken and seized control of budgets and school policies themselves. So the only way to break that, the only way they don't get that money is if kids do not enroll there. They simply get paid on enrollment numbers. I think this is an opportunity, and it's in, in fact, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely a necessity that people like us take our kids out of this environment. I think you should get people, uh, small groups of people that hire either a private teacher or they teach their kids themselves, and everyone break the school system, the, the chokehold that government has on schooling by not participating. That's the only answer I see. Because everything else involves yeah. playing into their hand. But now you heard Steve Cortez. He's a political animal. We man fences. We get on teams. I say enough of that BS because that system has been corrupted. Take your kids out. Spend the day with them. Teach them yourselves the real American history. All of a sudden, we, somehow these kids that pose as teachers. Did you ever go to school? You see these 20-something-year-old what? They're experts in what exactly? It's their first job, half of them. They spent their own childhood on Ritalin and anti-depression medicine. Now I'm going to turn my kid over to them? No, thank you. Time we break that pattern. That's just me. Thank you, Teresa, for the call. I agree. But I mean, you know, it's, a, it's not an easy answer. But the right answer is never easy, or it wouldn't be the right answer. Matt Carpentersville. Yes. Hi. I, John, I love your show. It's awesome. I just wanted to thank you. see if you could Bring into uh, light Dr. Trudy Mikovits. They don't talk about her anymore. She worked with Fauci all the way back in the 1980s. She got silenced for five years. She's got a book out called Plague of Corruption. They took really her videos. They took her videos off YouTube. This is when you start to see the the fascism and the propaganda when they will not even reveal an opposing opinion by people of equal standing in that world. These are scientists and doctors. In fact, I have I have Robert Malone that I was going to play instead of take the calls. This is a guy who has worked hand in glove with the government for 35 years. He's one of the original founders of this particular vaccine, the beginning stages of it. Obviously, it's collaborative. And he said, I don't like some of the results. And now they don't talk to him anymore. They don't hire him. His business has suffered. This is exactly what they did to the Soviet Union in Cuba and all totalitarian countries. If you question government, you are removed from the discussion. And that's how you know that this is no longer the America we think it is, Matt. And we have to come to the realization of that, and we have to start living in the shadows. I'm dead serious about this. I'm dead serious about this. You're going to tell me and my kid that I can't have freedom unless I stick something in my arm I don't want to? Now you're telling me to lie to you. You ain't going to do that to me. You're not going to coerce me. Not these, not these guys. Not these sexually frustrated dweebs in lab coats. And I'm not going to risk uh, going to prison. I'm just going to lie to you. And that's exactly what people do. Uh, let's go to, uh, David and Lansing. I got a little bit less than a minute. Okay, Sean. Um, you know, the Fauci stuff every day, it's a different socialist gaslighting us about viruses and, and, uh, using the conflict to push their, you know, socialist ideas, lockdowns, defunding police, CRT and all this stuff. But you know, what stays the same every day. It's that Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Instagram still censor us. So I say just defund those big techs, quit using them, you know, and then That's obviously maybe the we way. can solve the censorship. You know, if we could solve the censorship problem, then maybe we can start hearing truth. They're making it story. easy for you. They're politicizing things that never were meant to be politicized. They're making it easy for you. I will not enrich them with my participation. I hope you won't either. We'll be back. I've got a great guest coming up after this. From the streets of Melrose Park to the trading floor of the Merc, he's fought for every dollar he's ever earned. And now, with personal liberty and our system of capitalism under assault in America, he's here to seize back our rights from the government. With a cigar in one hand and a copy of the Declaration of Independence in the other, he's Sean Thompson. And this is The Sean Thompson Show. Just follow me, cause we need a little controversy, cause it feels so empty without me. I said, this looks like 
has never really been about the climate or weather. They've never been right. Their predictions for 70 years have always been wrong. Always. Yet, it has been used as a tool of control. I believe this is not anything to do with so-called global warming or climate change. This is an eco-Nazism. That's how I view it. Because every solution they have, every answer they have, is based in extortion, coercion, and force. I knew they were never going to give up on it. That's why I fought so vehemently hard against the idea of this dimwit in diapers winning the presidency. However, he did. So now we've got Congress to deal with, and any idea they have, any information they have, the 80-year-old Joe Biden will believe it as if he just learned of it five minutes ago. It's now his opinion. Harris Alec is a reporter at the Washington Times covering Congress and energy issues. I read his stuff constantly. I find him very insightful and informative. I want to welcome him on the program. Thank you for joining me, Harris. How are you? Thank you, Sean. It's always a pleasure to be on with you and the good folks at Wind AM. Thank you. We are uh, facing something that I'm I'm really annoyed with. Um, first of all, Harris, reconciliation was a parliamentary procedure, a trick, in essence, where they could pass one small bill and all get together in a smoke-filled room, as it used to be in the old days when men were in control of things that smoke cigars. Now, I don't know what the hell they do, but something tells me cigars aren't involved. It's some other weed. And they're smoking it in back rooms, and they're coming up with ideas and costs. So I know as they pass this so-called infrastructure, it is the limp jab that sets up the knockout punch of reconciliation, which will be in the tune of $3.5 trillion in a windfall windfall for these political whores we pretend represent a republic. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's funny that you uh, mentioned just how convoluted the whole reconciliation process is, because... In most state legislatures across the country, you know, apart from having maybe one budget bill that has a bunch of stuff uh, crammed into it, you can only pass single issue bills. Um, reconciliation, as we know it today, is a massive process that allows essentially uh, both Democrats and Republicans to cram as much in there that they can. And uh, oftentimes the rules that are governing what you can be placed in with the rules uh, that have existed since the 1970s that say you can only put spending and tax and uh, debt measures in there have been eroded to the point where now Democrats are talking about putting uh, amnesty in a pathway for illegal uh, and a pathway for citizenship for illegal immigrants in there. There's talk of doing a clean electricity standard, which essentially means uh, taking out and banning fossil fuels from the electrical grid in there, which I don't know what that has to do with debt or uh, taxes or uh, government funding, but apparently it, it might be included in there. Um, so this entire process is so convoluted. And it's really funny because, you know, back in the days, as, as you were saying, you know, when uh, when the guys got together in a smoke filled back room, they passed a lot of bills. Congress essentially only now passed maybe one or two bills a year. And it's almost always this gargantuan budget bill that's multi-trillion dollars if they pass it at all. And it's usually crammed with so many special interests and so many different priorities. Um, and as we're seeing now, it's being it's going to be crammed with liberal priorities, three point five trillion of them, at least in the year 2021. Why are there no adults that are saying this is a parliamentary procedure that you have now bastardized to literally chain to the people the idea of three point five trillion dollars that nobody approved of? And in fact, you cowardly Congress didn't have the fortitude to pass it yourself in the eyes of the people, you snuck it in. You know, I, I mean, to me, you'll have to forgive me. It's invalid. It doesn't exist. It shouldn't be funded. Yet Republicans say nothing. And it's not just because half of them are in bathrooms foot tapping each other. It's because they understand that in the bill that they pretend to be against is a ton of pork for them to give the payoffs to their, consti- to, to their contributors. I'm sick and tired of pretending this is legal or legitimate or a republic anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely convoluted. And, and you are absolutely right. You know, there are Republicans who end up voting for these uh, measures simply because, you know, they're going to get that new bridge or they're going to get that new pet project at home. And, you know, it's, it's going to be very, very beneficial for them. And, you know, maybe if they're lucky, they can even, you know, and, and if they stay around long enough, they can be like Robert Byrd and they'll name it after themselves, um, which, which I think is, is funny. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's you're absolutely right. The, the process becomes so convoluted and there are so many little things inserted into it where, you know, half the Republicans who end up voting against it, you know, more likely than not, they wanted to pass because uh, they're going to get so much money for their districts. Right now, there's kind of a big push to uh, potentially 
kill this reconciliation bill. But I mean, the way this reconciliation bill essentially works is you need, you know, you need a majority. You need 50 votes plus one. They have a Democratic vice president. They've got 50 votes. Uh, Senator Manchin is probably going to be that 50th vote. And, you know, he um, he more likely than not is, is going to go along with this bill because because there are going to be some priorities in there for him. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's so funny because, you know, as you were saying, you know, back in the days of the smoke filled rooms, there were kind of those old moderate Democrats who, you know, would hold a line on spending or they'd hold a line on, on certain things. But we've kind of seen an erosion of that. And now you have a party that's empowered after being out of uh, out of control of, of the Senate since 2014 and a party that, you know, hasn't really had full control of government since 2009. And they're looking to make the most of it. And um We'll see if it really ends up happening, but I think it's going to be an interesting uh, few months. And one of the big things that I think everyone should be looking out for is this clean electrical standard, because essentially so much of our economy and so much of our uh, everyday lives depends on having access to electricity. We saw that in Texas. We saw that in so many other states. You know, we're seeing that now in, in, in the great state of Washington and the great state of Oregon, where, you know, they decarbonize their electrical grid. And. Local utilities can't keep up with demand when it gets to 110 degrees, so you're having rolling blackouts. We've seen that in California. And unfortunately, what's potentially, if this clean electrical standard ends up being uh, ruled germane to the reconciliation process, and if it gets adopted, it's going to you know, essentially attempt to phase out coal and natural gas and other fossil fuels from our electrical grid without really building uh, new nuclear power plants. And it's all going to rely on solar and wind. And there's enough solar and wind power in the country to power um, the the type of economic growth that we want to see coming out of this uh, coronavirus pandemic. There's not enough solar and wind power out there to, you know, have us go about our everyday lives. I don't know about you, Sean, but I use a lot of electricity during my day. You know, yeah. my phone, my my laptop, uh, mm-hmm. keeping the lights on. Funny enough, you know, I mean, I'd be pretty upset if my lights went off because you know uh, we decided to stop relying on coal and natural gas and we started relying on uh, solar and wind power. One thing that's been consistent since the push of this nonsense, I've lived through it. You got to remember, I'm 53, although I look fantastic. I lived through all of this nonsense. I was alive before it became uh, in vogue to be a tyrant in the name of pseudoscience. But once it, they kept being proven wrong, I had some optimism in the American citizen to say, well, you know, what the hell are you doing? And it was obvious to me that this was about deindustrialization and control of an economy. And putting that government above all business. And I always laughed at the EPA, as the eco-Nazis they are, how they split the fine to the companies. There was a big scandal here in uh, Chicago. There was a a company that uh, was dumping poison in the Lake Michigan. And there was all the outrage. And the the EPA came in and they said, that's outrageous. We're going to fine you $500,000. And it'll be more the next time. And I thought to myself, what the hell kind of nonsense is that? Because the EPA keeps 250 250 goes to the government, and now the company can factor in the penalty in the next one. And they're going to continue dumping. It was never about stopping dumping. It was always about just raising money off of it. So to me, it's, it's really quite, quite obvious, and it does explain why Schumer you- pledges to, to, to create a new civilian climate corps, also known as Cuba, Absolutely. as neighbors snitching on neighbors. I think I think one of the things that you just hit on is is really important. Um, it's this kind of mentality that has uh, grown out on the environmentalist progressive movement, which essentially says that, you know, you can't have growth without contributing to, to climate change. So therefore, growth is bad. It's actually called degrowth, funny enough. And, uh, you know, all of the attempts to combat climate change always deal with a significant transformation, a radical transformation of, you know, the U.S. economy or all economies, really. And, you know, you get to a point where you're going to have to decide, you know, what's more important is, is stopping climate change and preserving, hopefully, the the environment as it currently is now. Is that more important than economic growth? I think most Americans would say no. Most Americans just don't necessarily know that that's really what's behind uh, so many of these progressive climate change campaigns. You know, I mean, you're talking about removing fossil fuels from the uh, from the electrical sector. You know, most people don't know just how dependent they are on. You fossil can't. Fuels. In fact, in fact, you can't. It's impossible. 
You're going to need fossil exactly. fuels even to build the material for your phony baloney solar panels that the technology is 100 years old. They keep pretending they've got new technology. They don't. You cannot really store energy, so you can't sell it back the way they sell it. The whole damn thing is a fraud, and I'm sick and tired of pretending that there's some magical place where you don't need the evil oil, which is truly the existence of man himself. It's in every. It's the common denominator of everything, let alone coal, which kind of keeps us warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And these spoiled brats with their 16 devices somehow pretend that wind is going to help it. It turns out Trump was right when he made fun of it, wasn't he? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there is not enough uh, wind or solar power to keep the current economy going the way that it is. And, you know, there certainly is not enough if you want to, like President Biden has proposed, to, you know, phase out gas-powered cars in favor of electric. For that to work, electricity consumption has to double. Well, how are you going to have an electrical grid that can support all of that and then can support the lifestyles that we currently have if you're phasing out, you know, the most stable alternatives and the easiest ones to get? And I think it's, it should also be a, uh, an interesting point here that uh, the climate change advocates aren't even, you know, they're not even stopping at the idea, oh, well, maybe we should stop burning fossil fuels. And let's stop extracting them as well. There are countries like Vietnam and Indonesia, for instance, that, you know, would love to buy American fossil fuels because right now they're relying on China for them, but they can't get them because, uh, you know, the Biden administration doesn't want to go out and mine more. You know, they don't want to go out and uh, drill more, more oil wells. And it's kind of an insane paradox here because, you know, exporting fossil fuels doesn't contribute to climate change at all. Extracting fossil fuels doesn't contribute to climate change. It's supposedly the burning of fossil fuels, but we can't even export them now. You know, burning them is off the table, exporting them and making money and, you know, getting all those great mining jobs or those great fossil fuel jobs and, you know, letting other countries who are burning them continue to burn them. Uh, That's not even on the table, which is insane to me. Um, And I think one of the more interesting things that you're going to see as we move forward is just how much more of this uh, reconciliation package that Congress is talking about gets bogged down with climate change uh, provisions. Today, Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer came out and said that he's going to support a AmeriCorps-style program called the Civilian Climate Corps, which is essentially going to pay people to go and cap wells, to go and uh, work on green energy projects. And I don't really understand what the point of this of this entire process is because youth unemployment is down already. You know, they're pitching this as, as a youth jobs measure, but youth unemployment has been down for, for the past year. It peaked, obviously, during the pandemic, but it's down now. Paris, I, I, also, I could so help you with this. Where did you grow up, Paris? Do you mind if you, I ask you? I grew up in upstate New York. All right, let me help you. Because I grew up in a, in a scumbag suburb outside of Chicago run by the Democrat mafia. Here's how it works. They pretended to be uh, magnanimous and to help everybody by funding their friends and select groups and sometimes their cousin that's too stupid. They have a fork without a cork on it during Thanksgiving. So they create these shill companies, <laughs> right? Then they fund it with public money. And then that shill company gives 30% back to the politician in sneaky paper bags. That's how it really works. So now do that with trillions of dollars, and you could pretty much pay off everybody that votes on the same bill. And that's the (laughs) scam, and that's the get. This has nothing to do with the mission statement and everything to do with, with the money, with fraud, and with creating an industry that would not survive because it is run on lies and deception. What do you think of that? Certainly. I mean, we saw with Solandria, we saw it, you know, during the, uh, during the mid uh, uh, during the years after the recession where the Obama administration passed the multi-trillion dollar stimulus and, you know, all of the connected donors to the Democratic Party and all the connected donors to, uh, you know, long-standing special interests started getting into the game of building electric cars. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, who's running for uh, governor yeah. of, of Virginia again, where I live, uh, actually made a lot of money by, you know, getting loans to start a uh, electric car manufacturer. It didn't matter if the company went bankrupt, but... Uh, who yeah. was his partner? Was Wasn't his partner a Clinton? He had a partner in there. I remember reading this. This was, it was. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Hillary's brother, if I'm not mistaken. Bingo, boy, that seems a little a little convenient. And it was run out of <laughs> a storefront that never produced anything, yet made millions of dollars. And what was the penalty? Moron Democrats elected him as governor. I'll tell you what. I'm going to give it to you. I call it Biden and the feudalists. 
Feel free to steal it. I will not sue you because I like you, and you're one of my favorite guests on my show. His name is Harris Alec. He's a reporter at the Washington Times covering Congress and energy issues, and I implore you to read him. He does wonderful work, and I want to thank you on behalf of the Americans still fighting for Americanism. Thank you so much, Harris. Thank you, Sean. It's always a pleasure to be on your show, and uh, keep up the good fight. I'm always a big fan. I enjoy listening to your show, even though I don't live in the Chicago area or the Midwest. And uh, I I look look forward to hopefully being on again at some point. You're absolutely more than welcome, and tell your friends I'm trying to build up an army here. Thank you so much. (laughs) I I, I certainly will. Take care, Sean. I appreciate it. 312-642-5600. I'll be back after this. That's not terrible. It's not terrible. I like it. We forgot to make fun of Steve Cortez. Took all that music with him to Tennessee. He's got to be driving his neighbors crazy. They don't want to hear that in Tennessee. Got to have some country music with a cowboy hat on. He's probably going to get beat up in Tennessee. Oh, he's a big guy. He can take care of himself. 312-642-5600. Got a lot I want to get to, but I really wanted to discuss some why it's so hard to push back against these bureaucracies. The beauty of Trump disagreements on some things love them on other things but the beauty of them undeniably what he exposed is these institutions that have mission statements epa fbi cia pick a three-letter acronym sometimes they got four they're bureaucracies of sycophants of government apparatchiks to the state those aren't Republicans. Those aren't conservatives. Sorry, they're not. Are there a couple? Maybe. I definitely wouldn't bet on the percentage of them. I absolutely wouldn't. Because in essence, what they've learned is to vote for their own pockets. Like the, like the union teachers. Union teachers. 99% of all money goes to the Democrat Party. One party. What's the percentage of Chicago public school teachers that vote Republican. It's not even worth telling. It's almost like the deaths among children of COVID. It's infinitesimal. It's infinitesimal. So as they create new bureaucracies, be weary. Because what they're doing is they're building foot soldiers to their power, to the state. So when this Democrat swindler, this slip and fall lawyer, so slimy, he sews doll hair to his head and wants you to believe it's real Chuck Schumer, who's done nothing his whole life, even though he wears his glasses low, like he just got done reading something really important, instead of trying to fool around with his secretary in the dark room, which is what he's really been trying to do, tries to build an infrastructure of corruption called the Civil Climate Corps. You do know who's going to occupy that, don't you? The eco-Nazi brown shirts. That's all it's going to be. And the budget will go up and the cost will be more. And their power over businesses they couldn't even work at will be so big they can't, those businesses can't fight back. This is a boondoggle and a scam and a swindle. And they're going to get it through a trick. They're not passing this as a bill. This is called reconciliation. was never intended for this. Stand up for it. Call whatever congressman you got, even if they're going to make fun of you like my guy named Chewy. Call that stupid son of a dog up and tell him we're on to you. We see the scam, and we're going to be watching the kickbacks. 312-642-5600. I like that. You know what I heard from Steve Cortez? You're not going to believe this. We are Not only are we the fastest growing show in Chicago Drive Time, we have a lot of important listeners. You never know who's listening to the show. So when a guy calls up and says he's about to walk into a meeting to push back on all of this, it's either a great way to get me to take his call, or he could be actually telling the truth. Kevin in Elmhurst, are you Mitch McConnell's brother-in-law? Uh, no, no, but it's close. <laughs> Go, close. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no. No, Sean, how you doing? All right, no, we're we're having a little meeting in Elmhurst. We're trying to get organized to push back against this critical race theory teaching, this sex re-education teaching, and the COVID mandates, and we're just trying to see what we can do. And there's a meeting tonight right at the American Legion here in Elmhurst, right down, well, you know where that is. And, sure, York Road. And then there's a bigger, bigger meeting, apparently, uh, this Sunday with a whole bunch of people, so... 
So there are movements out there. there. There are grassroots out there that are saying, look, we want our country back. We want our freedom back, our liberty back. And they are trying That's to organize. Yeah. Do you think now here's the we're problem? There. You're, you're, in, you're in Illinois, right, where the idea of a Republican is that 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 fraud of a fella, Adam Kinzinger. Do you think you got some legs? You think you think you got some? I don't know. That's how Elmhurst has gotten, though. It ain't like it used to be. That's for sure. Huh? But uh, are you still are you in your shop tomorrow? I may be in the morning. I may be. I t- I'm probably going to be there. So feel free to stop by and watch out for that right. uh, whatever, yoga pant whatever mafia. Info, whatever. In- Oh, yeah, I'll be okay. But whatever info I, I come up with, uh, I'll stop in and tell you what's happened here. So. All right. Splendid. All okay. right. Thank you very much. Good man. Take All care. right. Thank okay. Yeah. So, see, maybe there are movements. Maybe there are grassroots pushing back. I hope so. I hope so. You'll know it's, it's too far gone um, when people start to recoil and say it's not worth fighting and kind of go to the shadows. I'll tell you the truth. I'm not totally convinced it's not there already. I'm really not. When you can mount up these bureaucracies to attack people, when you can uh, can can have a system where it's going to reelect, like in Illinois, you know, Pritzker made the the uh, the announcement he's running again. No kidding. It's the only job this trust fund baby with the butter hands ever had. He finally, for once, feels important. He gets to work out his daddy issues right in front of everybody. And um, right now, there is a bill on his desk. It's called Senate Bill 508, sitting on Governor Pritzker's desk. Porky Pritzker, as I like to call him. It's waiting for his signature when he gets done with his BLT appetizer. If SB 508 is signed into law, every property tax owner in the state will face potential automated annual increases on their property tax bill. Now, see, this is a great scam. This is compliments of the Rockford Register Star. And what this means is that regardless of your property value, which is the covenant of taxation on property here in America, but Illinois is in America, as you know that, it has been corrupted. It is some pseudo-Marxist corrupt state where the People in it just keep voting for what they know is the Democrat mafia in hopes to get a job or to get cut in on the scam. So they elect some good for nothing who was on FBI tapes with a governor so scummy, the son-in-law of Dick Mel, the only reason you even heard of that stupid name, Blagojevich, so scummy they were cutting up Illinois like it was some poker pot at the end of the night. And what does the moron Democrat in Illinois do? They make this idiot, Porky Pritzker, all five foot four, six hundred pounds of uselessness, with his face laying on his chest. He's the governor, and he hasn't seen a tax he hasn't wanted to increase. And I got news for you. He's running again. He'll win again. Because the Illinois citizen is a stupid son of a gun that has turned a once great city and a once great state into a sewer of corruption that is a punchline around the country and the world. And they keep electing Democrat scum. Joe in Naperville. Hey, how you doing, Sean? I've got a name of a group that's been around for 50 years, and and they are fighting like hard to get rid of all of this critical race theory crap and supporting the Constitution. They're called the LaRouche Pact, okay? And um, it's, uh, it's not the old Lyndon LaRouche uh, party. Um, it's the Lyndon LaRouche Pact. And if you go LaRouchePact.com... Joe, now, I, I, I will confess, I will confess that I what I know about the LaRouches are that they thought that there was a loophole in taxation and they didn't have to pay it. And if I remember correctly, now, I may be ignorant to it, but I just, you know, I have very surface knowledge on it. They were okay, selling well, I, the idea that you could somehow not pay income taxes, which is completely wrong and makes you a criminal. Now, am I wrong on that, or where did well, they lose I credibility? I, I don't know about that part of it, but I do know that um, that they are fighting hard. There's about 50,000 members. Is there really? Well, hey, I hope they yeah. win. I mean, I, I hope they win. I would well, love, you not, know what? No, they're, not, they're, they're, they're supporting Trump. They're supporting Trump, and they're supporting the Republican Party. Joe, I'll tell you what. The Constitution. Why don't you get somebody that's in the party? If you if you associate with these people, and you know them. I'd love to know okay. exactly what happened because I know that they were really maligned, and okay. that's the story that I I had heard. Now I may be incorrect, but I rarely forget things, unless of course okay. they're they're. I'll be glad to, Sean. I'll I'll have somebody 
from the group, uh, give you a call uh, one of these days. Does that sound good? I would love to learn about it. And if it's oh, legitimate, okay. I'll support it. Thank you very much, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank God you. bless. Take Thank care you. now. Bye-bye. Bye. I remember being made fun of by Andy Bisoff, who said that he called me Sean LaRouche one time because I was saying about the only taxation in the world that's fair is a flat tax. As I still stand by that point. There's a reason that a progressive tax was the number two plank of the Communist Manifesto, because what they knew is that one, once that's implemented, they could use it as a tool, a, a tool of control and extortion, which is exactly what it is, which is why states like Illinois that has a flat tax pushes vehemently hard to get a progressive tax. So this way, Pritzker and his pals could circumvent it, just like they do the property taxes that he just is going to sign into law. That automatically gives you an increase, regardless of the fact that these idiots, this idiot's policies are destroying your home values. Isn't it great? And here's another thing. There's no reason to even have this bureaucracy in government. We have an automated system now. It's the year 2021. There are computers out there that know the value of your property second to second. We don't need a, an entire bureaucracy that employs thousands of people to pretend they do their job as they walk around and hurt their enemies and enrich their friends, like in Illinois. Taylor, Lake Forest. How are you doing, Sean? I'm all right, Taylor. How are you? Oh, good. The reason I'm calling is for two things. One is I've, I've, we've tried in Lake Forest to actually get in from the school board. I was actually part of the people who actually um, ran for the school board. But the reason I was wanting to call is because I heard you say something that was right on the money. And that is that parents should be taking control of their own children's education. And the best way to do that is by homeschooling their kids. And a lot of parents who think that something weird have to realize that you can get a whole day's worth of education after you deal with the lunches and the art classes in about three hours. And then you have more time for your kids. We we did it for our two kids. They loved it. They had more time to play. I have two daughters. Now, I was very protective, as I'm sure you can imagine. And you, you try to find a school. You know, I, I sent them to a private school. It cost a fortune. We struggled. I, my wife and I worked. We sacrificed. I tried to find a school, when you really think about the psychology of it, that is going to implement your characteristics, your belief structure, and what your idea of right and wrong is into your kids. Why do that when you could save all that money and do exactly what you're looking for in some stranger? You know, if you really think about it, it's because of peer pressure, because people have been sold this idea that somehow turning your children over to strangers and turning them into the Lord of the Flies where the kids are running the show anyway, is somehow teaching them how to be social rather than teaching them how to be subservient, which is what our public school system does, along with indoctrinating them to ideas that are exactly opposite of American principles. I think the best way to break this system is to literally stop sending your kids to it. So thank you for the call. I really do appreciate it, Taylor. Thank you for listening as well. All right, let's go to Gerald in California. I'm not sure. Hi, Gerald. How are you? Okay, Sean, how are you? Very good. I'm very happy, even though I don't know what you're going to say. But I'm glad you're listening in California. Go ahead. Well, I'll tell you the God's honest truth. I lived in Chicago for 35 years. I, I moved out here. And one of my friends uh, back there told me you were typing up about a topic that he and I have been discussing for quite a while, okay. which is the question of classical education, uh, education on uh, you know American history, real American history. And he said that you're really on this case of the so-called critical race theory. You know, I'm against against all fake theories. I'm against all ideas that we have to rewrite history because I'm well aware of what that is. That is a Marxist propaganda tool in order to steal the future. And what they're afraid of is that kids will be inspired by history that built the only nation in the world built on the Enlightenment. Well, you're you're on absolutely the right track and. What, what we're dealing with, if I might take it into the, you know, more general sort of history of the last 50, 60 years politically, um, when I lived in Chicago, I was the uh, coordinator for the candidates movement for Lyndon LaRouche Political Action Committee, and we had uh, 
run, of course, in the elections in the 1980s and uh, famously won 1986, two congressional nominations, Secretary of State and the Lieutenant Governor. Gerald, would you, uh, would, you, would you hold on with me? I'm very interested in this because I remember this. I graduated high school that year. I remember this happening. Okay. I want to be set straight on the Lyndon LaRouche. So if you won't mind, hold through the break. I'm sorry. I went long. i got to take a break. I'll take you immediately when I no come problem. back. All right. Thank you so much. We'll be you back. you got it, Sean. With sure enough. Gerald from California. I love it. We'll be back after. Can't you see this Unlike the Marxists, communists, or Democrats, I'm interested in hearing the, the true setup of these organizations rather than the interpretation and sometimes misrepresentation of them. Gerald in California, set me straight. Well, it, it, it's quite a story, and I'll try to give you some highlights. We got two minutes but, um, until the end of my show, brother. Okay, you got it. Uh, Lyndon LaRouche got active politically in opposition to the sex rock drug counterculture that was being spread all over the campuses in the 60s through people like Tom Hayden, uh, people uh, of that nature. Got it. And eventually he realized that the Democratic Party was taken over. There was a march through the institutions through people like Tom Hayden, Jane Fonda, Okay. And later, Barack Obama, who was a protege, you know, of some of these SDS people. Sure. Solowinski. In the 1980s, when we ran as candidates in the Democratic Party and won, the Democratic Party's own pollster, Michael McCune, down in Joliet, had told the iron workers and the Democratic Party that LaRouche candidates were talking about industrialization. They were talking about classical education. They were against the kids getting doped up with drugs. And they would win elections. So Michael McCune got fired by the Democratic Party for telling them what they didn't want to hear. And then we won the elections. So to make a long story short, the Democratic Party became the party of you know, global warming hoaxes. Communism, yeah. You know, change your sex every Tuesday. Sure. And in 2016, uh, Mr. LaRouche uh, said that Donald Trump was basically in that same view as him. And through a guy named Roger Stone, who had met LaRouche in 1980, when both LaRouche and Stone were in New Hampshire, there was a collaboration. And so the long and short of it is that Donald Trump was given the LaRouche treatment. He's been lied about. Gerald, I have to go, and I appreciate it. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. I'm going to look into it myself. We'll talk again. I'll be back in 22 hours. This is the fastest show on radio. I had a good time. We'll be back tomorrow. She don't believe in shooting stars, but she believes in shoes.